Hey everybody, welcome to Swedenborgian Life Live. Today we're going to be asking, did Jesus appear to aliens? How did it come to this? It's a quote, Lord of the Rings, my name is Curtis Childs. My life started out on a pretty <laughs> wait, good wait, trajectory. Wait, wait, no one knows who you are yet. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm the host of Swedenborgian Life. This is the Dr. Jonathan Rose, who's now hey reconsidering the trajectory of his <laughs> career. <laughs> well, we've got a couple of problems here. Uh, w you know, you might say <laughs> it's the weirdest title we've ever had for Probably, our show, yeah. Did Jesus Appear to Aliens? I don't know, you guys can, can be the judges of that at home. And you might, how did we get to this point? Well, there's actually a very logical reason that we're here. It's because we're recapping. I mean, we're <laughs> adding to the show we did last week, yeah. which was the, the first mistake was that show the spirituality of extraterrestrials based on Swedenborg's mm -hmm. reported journeys through the spirit, through the universe. And th so we've got an issue where you might have some people clicking away, but you didn't. Thank you very much uh, because of the strangeness of the, the title and everything. But even uh, even beyond that, there, the if we're talking about Jesus Christ. Be incarnating on this particular planet for a particular reason, as Swedenborg says he does, you might lose a bunch of people who th don't believe that there's a Jesus Christ, an incarnation of God. They think that there's right. God, but there's not an incarnation. But then also, there are some people who think there are multiple incarnations of God. So what does this offer? I would say you can still stick around because we're, this, this conversation also encompasses the value of written revelation. Yeah, somehow that works. In, in general, and Earth's role in the larger universe. Mm. So we're going to dig into all that. It's a big conversation, so we better get our conversating muscles ready. We're going to do, as we always do, the icebreaker. Thanks everyone who is here chatting live. You can be a part of this show as we answer the question, you answer the question, and this is just how we probe your mind a little bit uh, and see What's going on? What does this stuff bring up? And hopefully get us, our mouths working, because mine is like 75% of the way there. So <laughs> let's see how this goes. This is the question. Does the question, which is a great question for this show, right. does the question of the existence of extraterrestrials have any relevance to spirituality? Mm. If you had to categorize this channel, it would be like a religion and spirituality channel, right? We talk right. about God and angels and related sort of stuff. What are we doing talking about aliens here? Mm. And w are there, like, does it matter in context? Or why would you ever bring these conversations mm. together? So what, what do you think? And it's hard for me to get sort of objective because I've had my head in editing Swedenborg's Other Planets for a long time. And Poor it, guy. it really influenced me, uh, you know, who knows, for the better, for the worse. Yeah. But, but um, part of what he says in there is that the the question of whether there's other life kind of speaks to whether we're just random molecules banging into each other with Brownian motion sure. and it just, you know, ended up this way for no apparent reason. Or is there kind of a design? Is there something going on? Is there a larger picture in the, in the mind of God? And, right. and I think extraterrestrials play into that and even what it is to be human, what we're doing here and questions like that. Yeah, I think that extraterrestrials, the question of that, is a stress test on your religious system. If you have oh, one, yeah, because yeah. can your, your theology handle, does it fit that there are multiple planets with multiple people? And that Swedenborg is so fascinating because it's such a seamless tie-in, that he meets people on other planets, but it just ties right into, as we're going to see, the concept of the grand human, the way religion works, everything, the way spirituality is. Right. But then also, I mean, just stepping back from the Swedenborg side of it, you know, all the humility that we're trying to learn as a human race from 
understanding people that are different th than us. They, you yeah. Know, come, the, the whole world is finally like really all interacting and mixing. That's right. And we're having some some growing pains. Some issues and yeah, that's right. But there's this there's this greater uh, understanding and humility and in the end unity that comes from okay, you know I know you you know me now we we're, we can get along. Wouldn't that amp up? If there were people on a whole different planet right. and how they would go. Take love to the next level or something and understanding. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I feel like there's a million directions we could take this in, but hopefully that's what the the audience at home does. So we want to hear, yeah, what, would you ever put those two qu questions, the extraterrestrial question and the question of God and spirituality together? What does one have relevance to the other and so on and so forth? Looking forward to what you all have to say. The ice has been broken. Let's... Uh, Get on to part two. It's not weird enough. There must be more weirdness. Okay, the aliens think not doing it for me. Let's talk about the grand human. If you're not okay. familiar, Swedenborg has his concept that he calls, well, that at its largest iteration is called the grand human we did a whole show about it called the shape of heaven which you can go check out just in case they didn't pause it and go watch an hour-long program could you give us a quick rundown of, of what it is yeah Swedenborg has this interesting idea that our bodies are not the reflection of just sort of random evolution yeah but that there's a, a, a rhyme or reason to why we're put together the way that we are and the different functions of the different organs you know the kidneys purification and the heart pumping and, and so on. And so he says that that is actually a spiritual form and that all of heaven is in that form. But then if you just slice the highest of the three heavens, yeah. that's also in that form. And then if you zoom into one community, oh, it's also in the human form in some sense. Yeah. You know, and so it's the same on every level down to the individual. In fact, even if you looked at the individual's thoughts and feelings, he says, if you could really see it from spiritual light, even each of your thoughts and feelings is human in some it has a complete humanity in in some interesting way it has all so it's sort functions. of fractal it, it, it's you know it, it, whether you look at it large or small it's it's similar right so simple enough but if that weren't enough for you so the human form in terms of function and the way everything interrelates occurs at all these different levels for example as you said a community of heaven can if seen in the right way reflect the human form when you look at what everyone's doing but also swedenborg talks about people from all around the world forming one big human form together so spirits of people who had died all over the planet earth it says that people from different uh religions different continents and everything yeah. go into because of the different right. way they think and feel about life go into making the different parts of this grand human that, that encompasses heaven however that's just the earth grand human there's another grand human that's made up from all the people all over and all the planets and all the universe much much vaster uh, yes and in that it's not the people from earth that make up the whole thing we only make up the one little part of this grand human and swedenborg says that in this universal grand human what do you think that the people from our earth oh. make up i mean you know and <laughs> i do too it's the physical senses we are the physical senses of the universal and human hit pause for a second sure. and say it is so weird like whoever says something like that you know to actually say oh here's how our whole planet yeah as diverse as we are down here we all play this particular role yeah. relative to everything else that's out there it's a really interesting yeah. concept i will plead guilty for swedenborg uh, on that that 
He just says stuff like that, and there's not a lot of great analogs everywhere. But it's an idea that we think is definitely worth. It's amazing. Into. It's amazing to think about. We dug into it a bit in a previous episode. We it was called Serpent Symbolism, Sensory Experience, and Jesus's Plan. And there we talked about how the that we represent these, that we act on this sensory level, and that could be sort of a blessing or a curse, right? Yeah, the the physical senses are sort of a double-edged sword, the way Swedenborg describes them, because either uh, they can be a container. Right. For all this higher stuff, so all this, you know, love and wisdom coming all the way down from God can come all the way down to this sensory level on the outside, and it can be a, a magnificent experience. Yeah. Or Complete. your senses can be just turned into a very materialistic perspective where you swear there's nothing else, there's nothing spiritual, there's no God, there's nothing beyond it. And, um, and so everything gets turned upside down there, and you yeah. trust your senses and you won't hear anybody tell you about anything spiritual because you don't sense it, you know. Yes, we all know what it's like, the, you know, the classic character that's too materialistic or too external or too shallow, which, which means you're just concentrating on what you can feel and hear and see. Yeah, but I won't believe, sort of like Doubting Thomas in the New Testament, yeah. who won't believe it unless he can put his finger in the wounds. You know, that, that's the only way you yeah. can. But, with it. but on the other hand, there's no, you know, saintly great person that's ever existed that's not using some senses to navigate the world and to complete the way that they interact with people. Right. And so the senses are supposed to be this grounding level that allows for spiritual life to rest on it like a foundation in a house. And looking at that way, explain Swedenborg's statement here in Other Planets 122. He says, In the universal human, the inhabitants and spirits of our planet relate to the external physical senses. And these senses are the outermost limit in which the deeper planes of life find completion. Completion, interesting. And on which they come to rest as their shared foundation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so that, f that foundation is interesting that it, actually things want to be based on that. We did a show along those lines yeah. recently where, where everything higher wants to come down and rest here uh, just like a foundation. Right, and it goes on. It is much the same with the presence of divine truth. In the writing that which we call the in the writing that we call the word, which for this reason too was given on this planet rather than on any other. Whoa! So he's saying that we have the Bible, which he calls the word, because we correspond to the physical senses. Yeah. And that's an outermost function, and Scripture too is kind of an outermost function, which has something holy within it. And we're getting into something really serious here. Since the Lord, meaning Jesus, is the word and is the first and last of it. He chose to be born and to become the Word on this planet so that everything would be done in accord with the divine design. Mm. There's some passage, I think it's Ephesians 4 verse 10, that says that Jesus both descended and He ascended far above all things, so that He could fill all things, it says. So there's something about that first and last and yeah. filling that He came to this planet because we correspond to something outermost and so He could fill everything in between. The, something about the nature of how people's minds were here and the state of the world here made it advantageous for Jesus to occur or manifest here. So we're going to get a little deeper into this. Like the physical senses, the Word, or the, the written Bible, acts as it, Swedenborg says it acts as like a stable link between the earthly and the spiritual Not worlds. just a fleeting thing, but no. some, again, playing the role of a foundation, holding up this superstructure. Yes. And it can do that, because you see that the literal text of the Bible is all about events that happen in this world, right? How would they and be interested? It's very interested? concrete. Yep. And it's how very would they concrete. Be? A lot of the information you're getting is sensory, yeah. like it's about 
sheep and grapes and you know, things like exactly. that. Exactly. And the life of Jesus occurs all on these different lo locations on our planet. But In specific geographical locations, yeah. that's right. Yeah. So that's not going to be very interesting to somebody from another planet elsewhere in the galaxy, but those earthly containers correspond. They are like the foundation to these divine and heavenly realities. Mm. So you might be saying that's a lot of things you said about the word and senses, but wouldn't it be better if there wasn't even a written revelation in the first place? Right? Yeah, right. It, it would be so great if uh, instead of having to go to a book yeah. and read about a sheep and a grape or something yeah. and try to figure out what it means for your life, wouldn't it be awesome to have an angel appear and just tell you, hey, you need to do this in your life. And don't worry about that other thing. Let me encourage you. you know, yeah. Wouldn't it be great to get a message like that? Very direct. It would be so far superior to this written, baffling revelation, wouldn't it? And if that's how you're feeling, well, you were born on the wrong planet. This is Other Planets 120. On all other planets... Makes a lot of sense. Divine it? truth is revealed directly by spirits and angels. Just like and you were all other about. planets. All other planets. It's direct. <laughs> and we don't, when Swedenborg will say all, like he'll make these broad generalizations, sure. but then there are exceptions. So we don't that's know right. that he's saying right. all, but, he, but he's definitely saying it's common. It's very, very common out there. That's right. This takes place within families, though, for on most planets, humankind live in separate families. These in other words, they're not tribes. in yeah. nations or, yeah, they're not gathered together in huge cities. Their families uh, dwelling separately. And here we get into an interesting sort of the downside to this kind of revelation. Oh, really? This means that the divine truth revealed in this way through spirits and angels does not spread much beyond the family in which it was received. Oh, so your know, grandma tells you what she dreamed or she had a vision yeah. or something like that. But then she passes on and then pretty soon people forget and you just lose that threat. Because of that, if new revelations were not constantly occurring, the truth would become distorted or be lost. Two great dangers to truth, yeah. distorted or lost. Right. Like you don't want that to happen. So it's going to be whispered down the lane. Mm -hmm. I haven't but, thought yeah. about that, but if an angel right. appears to you and tells you something, pretty soon you like you might forget what, yeah. what, what it was exactly. So now you're starting to see the issue and how the way we do it here actually provides an antidote mm. to that. It is different on our planet, though, where the divine truth that is the word remains in its integrity forever. Wow. Yeah, interesting. Integrity forever. But when I think about it, it's true that we've had written revelations of one kind or another for thousands and thousands of years. I mean, don't you have ancient like Sanskrit that's carved into stone, literally yes. written in stone, like they say, and so, uh, and it's lasted all this time that it's still here. You have Egyptian hieroglyphs and so on. That yeah. some, some of it's painted on buildings or it's carved into stone and so forth. You also have this cool thing that they found a little while ago in, in Jerusalem that was a silver amulet that was rolled up from the eighth century before Christ and it has a Hebrew blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord cause yeah. his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you, uh, from long, long ago. And they rolled this up into a little amulet. Well, it's, it's written on silver, literally, yeah. you know, and this thing still survives to this day. It's still still legible. You can piece together what it's saying. So that, that bit of revelation, you know, that, that led to that has been able to stick with us through centuries and centuries because of the nature of this writing. And mm. you have you got brought a couple of and old And then you dusty, hit the point books. of movable type and it just yeah. explodes, right? right? In terms of preservation. I mean, you can have just very old old books. Uh, this is from 16 
97. It's got a cool old binding and everything. That book you know. is hundreds of and, years and, old. And, and, yeah, yeah. And you can that's still right. read it just fine. And you can still, it's absolutely legible. Yeah, that's right. You know. But I think the prime example is what you've got right here. Which, what, what's this book? This is uh, Swedenborg's uh, Revelation Unveiled or Apocalypse Revealed from 1766. It's the first edition. So he would have carried this with him around Europe. Yeah. He sent copies back to Sweden, published in Amsterdam. And uh, so th although it's written in Latin, it's just perfectly formatted, still perfectly legible. Yeah. You know, and all you got to do is learn Latin and translate it and boom, there or you go. Or have your friend learn Latin. But look, <laughs> look, everybody. This is what we're doing right here. We are benefiting from the earth style of revelation right now. Because Swedenborg went True. in, he had this incredibly deep, complex interaction with mm. the spiritual world. And because he was able to commit it all to type, we can now, hundreds of years later, make wow. a YouTube show where we explore all the ins and outs of it. If he had just had that revelation and then told like some of his family members, it never would have trickled down. But now, any number of thousands of people can go in there and get right. something positive out Who of it. Who knows how many people had that, and he even talks about that at some point, doesn't he? That he says that this has taken place by means of somebody who can publish these thoughts by means of the press. Yeah. That was part of the design, was that we're going to keep these ideas here, and then you can translate, this has been translated into scores and scores of different uh, languages, uh, but if there's a new language comes online, oh, they can go right here to the Latin, yeah. pull another you know translation right. off of it like the source is still here it's uncorrupted yeah, and right? swedenborg being this little example compared to the dissemination of some other spiritual texts but still oh. a, a very potent one for this particular show and people can yeah. can misinterpret or mess with written revelation you you definitely have sure. things go through iterations people wonder did somebody add this book to the bible when did this happen but there's oh there's a source to go back to you get pretty much the same thing and it, if that original source, even if that becomes lost, Swedenborg says there was an ancient word before the, right. the Bible as it's known now. Yeah. And he also says that in the, in the other sacred texts from around the world, there are elements of that ancient oh, word. Oh, that's right. It even got into the Bible yeah. in early Genesis. Yes. But it was so obscure that yeah. people couldn't handle it anymore. And so he just replaced it. Yeah. Like even if it breaks, well, he'll give you a new one. But it's not the same as the replacing every single generation and almost every person. This is just a couple of upgrades to reach millions and across, billions of people. Yes, and across thousands and thousands of years. And they say that the Bible now sells 800 million copies a year. So yeah. this thing is just very wide, widespread. So because the conditions were right, because of the way we think, with our sense-oriented nature, the things we've discovered, all the way that writing is, this made it a good place for Jesus to come and get recorded. And God, in, the reason why it was this earth is not because this earth is better or worse, it's because this is the point of impact where we can impact the rest of the universe. This is from Other Planets 121. Since the Lord appears to the inhabitants of various planets in an angelic form, which is a human form, when spirits and angels from those planets hear from spirits and angels of our planet that God is an actual human being, they accept this as the word, acknowledge it, and rejoice that this is the case. So, okay, so in the other world, that information spreads rather readily yes. from one, one spirit to another, and they're all in touch with each other and everything. Yeah. But how does that work um, down here? Well, you know... Swedenborg says that, that you can tr information can travel much better in the spiritual world. That there was actually, uh, th because spirits here learn about Jesus Christ and what that means, they can help be this connecting bridge to the other mm. angels and spirits in other parts of the world. It's just, this is like this sort of the original, this is the server 
but the web page can go out everywhere. Interesting. So, like an exhausting job yeah. would be to have to be in charge of community communicating this to the rest of the physical universe. Yeah, be exhausting. Yeah. You, you have to make a uh, that was my first job. You have job. to tr travel. You know, thousands. I imagine you went through it. Thousands yeah. and thousands of light years yes. just to get to the. You know. Nearest constellation or something, and and uh, and then what? You've got to start again somewhere, you know. And it, uh, right. but by having this go up to the spiritual world and spread through the spiritual world, and then you th the fact is that the way people live their lives on other planets, a lot of them are very close to heaven, and so they can get this communication, and boom, goes up, goes across, goes down, and everybody knows. So it's yeah. not a limitation that Jesus was only born on one planet. Like the information word gets around. You know? And actually, something about something mystical about the actual process that Jesus went through to become the divine human through that, that whole saga, that has ripple effects out because the divine human that happened here can now go and visit people on any planet. It, it became anytime. infinite, and so yeah. it's an omnipresent, omniscient, all that omnipotent. So he, he can be present, and Swedenborg even talks in other planets about experiments they did where they took people from Earth who had seen Jesus during his lifetime yeah. and other people who'd seen this God figure on their planet and yeah. it was the same person. That kind That's of right. So, so as sort of a recap to this section of it, you have um, Jesus Christ appearing here because conditions are right in a couple of ways that we, we would be the kind of people who would be able to keep things mm. per, in perpetuity by the writing and by the technology that we have. Yeah, we're the kind of nuts who figure out how to do this and keep yeah. this around or something, keep it out of the rain. And yep, and, that this was the, and this was also the way that this incarnation could happen and then could go and service the rest of the universe. So, And because we're the outer senses, yes. that would also... I mean, th those things are intimately linked. Yes, that's but right. But then he would be on, on all levels at once and be able to reach everybody. Yep, and reaching everybody is what it's all about. That's the whole point. We're going to get a little more into the importance of the physical senses and the, the sort of uh, or the, the sciences that we pull out of our interaction with the world through our senses. And a little more, of course, conversing with aliens in part three. Oh. <laughs> So, if you guys watched the show, the, the extraterrestrial show that we did, there was a Planet 1 and a Planet 2. This is going to delve a little deeper into his interaction with the people on Planet Number 1. Um, mm. And these, these were some extraterrestrials that were very surprised that we write on paper. This is Spiritual Experiences 4663. I spoke with them about our Earth, since they were amazed that such things could be described on paper that such things are known on our earth or, and not, as far as yet known, on others. And that on this planet there are sciences which have been enlarged by the fact that they can be written down on paper and thus be left to others in posterity. Enlarged, I like that. Like yeah. the, again, you make a discovery, but now you have a way to communicate with yes. a lot of other people about so it. Not just religious type revelation, but revelation about everything. I, our, hey, I, yeah chop this leaf up and this is what happened That's or right. I mix this with that and this is what happened or I yeah. figured out this how to make metal or something. And that consequently there are many technical arts on this planet. Mm. It was granted to me to tell them that the reason for this is that from the earliest times those on this earth have desired to become wise in such knowledge. 
that this was depicted by the tree of knowledge in paradise. Oh. And that because they had eaten of it, they therefore, let's just throw a huge thing at the end here. Yeah. They therefore cannot be healed by any other means than by knowledge, sciences, thus by the knowledges of faith. Yeah, that word that Swedenborg uses there in the Latin for knowledge uh, can also be translated sciences or okay. academic disciplines. And he gives exam many different kind of examples like yeah. optics, but also philosophy, literature, and so on. Um, so what an interesting statement to say that we couldn't be healed because we were so hooked on this idea of yeah. knowledge. We couldn't be healed without it. It reminds me of the, um, well, there's this book I studied in graduate school called Boethius's Constellation of Philosophy. And he talks about this figure of philosophy who has uh, uh, basically the Greek equivalent of a letter P on the outside of her garment, because that means what's practical, mm -hmm. praxis. Uh, but the top was theoria. The idea was that through learning worldly things, these sciences, uh, mathematics, astronomy, various things, you eventually got to the point where you could see God. And it's to me kind of, that's what the theoria meant. It sounds like yeah. theory, but also means just beholding the face of God. So the idea, yeah. wow, what would math have to do with beholding God? But that was the idea, was that, hey, we're hooked on this knowledge, and this is our pathway to God. And because we chose this, you know, sort of exploring via the senses pathway, that, that's the way we can get healed. Isn't that kind of reflected in the way that technology and society is, that we, we don't have this perfect uh, relationship with nature. Like, we have to invent medicine. We have to right. invent agriculture. All this stuff to be able to sustain oh, technologies ourselves. Yeah. And all, all, yeah, that's right. And other people who are just living, loving lives with each other and, and uh, simply living off of nature or something are not spending all day figuring out, you know, what is the atomic weight yeah. of, you know, right. <laughs> carbon or something. On the flip side, this stuff is really cool. And it's allowed us it to is. do some amazing things. And this, this is the, also this really good byproduct. Well, including, frankly, this show. That's, well, this is, of course, Stingy. the crowning achievement yeah. of all this stuff. So we ha this, is, this is something actually unique that people from our Earth are offering to the rest of humanity. And in Swedenborg's travels, it does say that he was traveling with spirits from our Earth, and those spirits would really rub other spirits the wrong way. Because out in the universe, yeah, sometimes like, that, did, that interaction did not go well. Like, how can you be they so like each other. materialistic to our spirits? However, people who are very spiritual, like, oh man, the only things you care about are these very external things, and right. and we're trying to have lofty thoughts about God and everything. On the flip side of that, though, mm. is in the proper order, it can be re we can be f fulfilling a really important function that we actually we can be giving the whole something that it lacked. We this is, earthlings yeah. who are sort of with this focus that we have on nature and science right. and so on. This is Spiritual Experiences okay. 1531. Mm. The inhabitants and spirits of our earth are the outer sense and they are carnal. Carnal means like fleshly or very sort of external focus. It doesn't sound good. Bodily carnal. focus. No, it doesn't sound but, good. Even though they are like this on this earth, nevertheless, they possess knowledge of religious truths. Oh, interesting. Knowledge of so I guess yeah. from those, all those books, right, you can get this knowledge of religious truth. In case you're starting to get down on your earth heritage, there's some yeah. cool stuff coming up here. Yeah, Check Which can out. serve as a kind of soil in which the spiritual and heavenly truths of religion can be implanted. Without huh. such a soil, religious truths do not easily become implanted and grow. Oh, interesting. So there's a truth, like there's a multiplication factor. If you have that soil, you can actually get farther in understanding of spiritual things. And I think about Swedenborg himself, 
major scientist yeah. guy, right? And and that's the guy who can really understand all this stuff about God and heaven because he's got that science background. Interesting. Okay. Yep. That I'm was essential to him painting the you're, picture. You're, you're bringing me around. Good, good, good. Therefore also, they come, they, meaning people from this earth who are that's immersed right. in learning, they come more easily into the inward and the very inward heaven after their outward elements have been purged. I like the idea that there's a purge that's possible yeah. <laughs> because there's a danger in just being external. You might get sort of hooked on the food or, or whatever. Right. And, and so you need some purging. But... That doesn't block us from the higher heavens at all. It says they can come quite readily because they have those truths. Yeah, so there's there's kind of a risk-reward thing. That's here. right. And because right. they bring something with them from the life of the body, they also serve as ministering spirits for instructing others who do not have that higher knowledge from Revelation. Whoa! So our crazy people from this crazy planet yeah. actually end up being teachers on the other side. Because we just, we've got a lot of knowledge. Yep. If hmm. there is to be perfect order, heavenly truths, and whatever comes next, spiritual ones, <laughs> I should have known heavenly and spiritual, yeah, yeah, of course, of must course. take root in truths of nature. They must. But it should be huh. noted that the higher knowledge and mental imagery of the angels are incalculably more profound than the mental imagery of people on earth, yet are nevertheless rooted in truths of nature. And so truths follow one after another and correspond. So it's really like you can get this greater tower of truth going on if you really have a better understanding of the outer level. I notice how much Swedenborg studied anatomy, for instance, yeah. and then he's able to have greater insight about the way heaven works because he actually understands the ductless this and that. And, you know. Yeah, well, if you think about the, if we're coming back to the idea of human beings from this earth as sight, or as the senses in the grand human. You think about a body, it's not like, okay, which part's the best? Is it the, the senses or is it the, <laughs> right. the immune system or is it the cardiovascular system? The point is everything is doing this, this amazing service for the whole. And the senses are this crucial uh, point of learning and interaction. This is how the organism survives and grows. Everything right. is dependent on that. So if we, if we from this planet, if, if you happen to be interested in the external world, we can bring that and, and use it to serve everyone else, learn from them, they learn from us. We, they, you know, obviously there's a great amount of spirituality out there for us, but we also have something to contribute as well. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing that you don't need to have it, you know, all the elements of this, like it's not like, oh no, you're not going to go to heaven if you don't know enough. Yes. Uh, it's enough that there are various different people because everybody's teachable. Yeah. You know, so some people know this discipline, some know that. If you have this desire and passion in your heart, you can learn any, anything on the other side. Yeah, this is like uh, the moment of don't take the episode to mean we're saying that right. you have to learn a lot of stuff to f take advantage of being a person and go to heaven. Because Swedenborg goes on and on about how if you've got a good heart, that's much better than it's having much better. Yeah. a bunch of knowledge. That's so, right. but we are saying. But it's cool that there are some people who are good people who know a lot of stuff, because yeah. they that that ends up being good for everybody, not just people of this planet. And just think about this: is what the human race is accomplishing together. All this stuff, all the sciences, all the technology of all kinds, the music, the art, everything we're making can mm. act, can serve not just the human race here, but the human race from the entire universe. And part mm. of it is the actual way we're able to do things, preserve manuscripts. But the other part of it is the impression it makes on your soul, 
you know, on, on your mind and heart, living in this world, interacting with it, that's going to make you a special kind of love and wisdom that can serve in a way that no one else can. So that's good. Mm. That's not too bad. That's good. Yeah, you get, knowledge gives you sort of folders in your head, doesn't it? So if you know basically nothing about food except this tastes good and I don't like that, um, you can only get so far. Yeah. If you know all about, oh, these are, these are proteins, these are omega-6s, omega-3s, you know, the more you know, the, the, the more you can really refine your game food-wise. That's right. And if you don't know, somebody else does, and you just eat what they tell you to eat, and then I you tell them the something they didn't know. <laughs> Very right. good. All right, well, let's, so hopefully this has got to have been too confusing for somebody, right? You mu hopefully there's a couple of questions, and we're going to get to those right on the other side here. Okay. What, what's on your mind, everybody? We'd love to know if you're here commenting live on YouTube. Get your questions in right now. We're going to answer them in some kind of order resembling the order in which they were received. Let's get to our first one right now. Mary Richards asks, Do extraterrestrials living in our solar system know that there are people living on Earth? So, we would begin by saying, you might say, Hey, man, there's no extraterrestrials in our solar system. And we would say, Well, you know, that book on the planets <laughs> by Swedenborg. Swedenborg says there are, and then right. that gets into the whole conversation of, well, how is that biologically possible? And then you have everyone who's saying, well, they're spirits, but they're in a different sort of plane of existence, or they exist at a different point, or all the different, yeah, different so the ex explanations people have had. Or different, um, like a bandwidth, a different yeah. like frequency or something. Or that Swedenborg was just lying and made it up, or he was mistaken and those spirits or were actually living from on the inside else. of the planet. Whatever your pick right. is, the question is, do, what they know about from a Swedenborgian perspective, I guess, is our answer. Do they know about people on Earth? When Swedenborg went to travel to these other planets in the solar system, were they like, what's Earth? Or were they like, yeah, okay. One of the things that Swedenborg says is that it's something that everybody finds out very shortly after dying, that there's this contact between the, the different planets. It's just, right. we don't know about it here. We go there. Oh, everybody knows about it. Uh, and then, as we said earlier in the show, spirits from those other planets are more in touch with their people. So I think if there's some use for them to know, if they were curious yeah. about it, that information would be available through their, through their spirits. Right. But I, don't, I can't think of an example where Swedenborg just says point blank, oh yeah, they all know about us yes. or, or something. The spirits, absolutely, yeah, the spirits too. Yes, and is it, he doesn't paint a picture of, which is often the reverse in sci-fi, that aliens are much more technologically, technologically advanced than we are. Yeah, that's right. That, and that, that they're sitting there that looking... He's got very sort of yeah. golden age people living yeah. in simplicity, and, and we're the technology, technologically advanced ones who yes. are interested in that. Which so it's sort of like we see them in our own image, that we think, oh, they must be super advanced. Right. Which isn't to say that there aren't technologically advanced aliens in the universe. He only describes a couple of planets. There could be another sure. one that flies around. But I guess the point I want to make is he's not saying that all the other intrasolar system aliens are sitting there with satellites, invisible satellites over our planet, and they know it could well be they don't know anything about it. So let's hope that right. when they learn about us, we make a good impression, right? <laughs> Regenerate, reform. Okay, that's a great question. Let's Interesting look at the next question. One. Sandra Brewster asks, does Swedenborg ever talk about backsliding? You know how we can be messed up with our senses. Two steps forward, three steps back kind of thing. Did Swedenborg deal with any backsliding himself, I would imagine? 
Um, mm. Yeah, so the, the unfortunate thing about the process of regeneration, as Swedenborg describes it, is it's not, hey, I got up the steps and now I'm done. That right. much like winter occurs every year, the, and night occurs once every 24 hours, roughly, we are going to continually be going through these low and high points. Even angels, Swedenborg says, angels. will go through periods where their ego and things are... Uh, start getting in the way or something. Yeah. yeah, somehow inflamed, and it's a problem. I would, I would argue, and it may be semantics, that it's not actually backsliding in those cases, because even though it feels like, oh, I'm back in something... Every time you go in, it's like we said in a different show, it's like a spiral up. Yeah, the spiral. Because you've yeah. improved every time, so you want to get back into that stuff, but you're doing it with a new skill set and a new mind, incrementally, ever, every so much. But that doesn't mean there's no such thing as backsliding. Yeah, and Swedenborg talks about, like, when he had this, there was one particular point in his spiritual awakening we talked about in one show, I think, where... Yeah. All the, the smoke came out of his pores and turned into exploding frogs on the floor. That might be and all weirder stuff. than... And he, it might... It certainly doesn't hurt, it. hurt in a show like this tonight. Let's do but, another <laughs> show that's called The Exploding Smoke Frogs. Yes. Right. Oh, that was right. my band in middle school. And they, I think it was a picture of purification that was going on. He talks at other points about the fact that um, he could not believe all the... He doesn't use the word junk, but that's the way I would translate it. That just that would surface in him the types of thoughts that he was like, "What am I thinking?" Mm -hmm. You know, and so that I imagine there must have been times where he thought it was backsliding, and then he says after years he realized, "Oh, this is purification. This is actually like getting stuff out of your garage and your basement and your attic or yeah. something, and and putting it all out in the lawn, and it looks much worse for a while, but actually it's a purification process. Yeah, and think about anything that's analogous to it, getting healthy. It's not like you exercise, and when you're exercising, it feels like, oh, every, I feel like really bad, and I'm short of breath, and it's burning, but then I'm out of it, and then finally you're going to go through that multiple times, you know, hundreds of times to try to get an improvement in, in the way that health is. So there's that. And, and he talked about times, too, when he couldn't there were times when he had this great light, yeah. and there were other times when he couldn't. He said when certain spirits were with him, he couldn't understand anything. That's right. You know, and so I imagine that felt like, whoa, we have really fallen here. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, so I, he definitely went through those cycles, and as you say, even angels do. So I guess that I want to have as a setup to say, even if you feel like you're backsliding, doesn't necessarily mean you are backsliding. On the other hand... Swedenborg does talk about backsliding, and in a particularly potent way, he talks about what he calls profanation. Oh, true. Which is... that Now, that's one to avoid. Yeah, that, that, that's bad. That is when you uh, really understand and love what's true and good. So you know what's the right thing to do. You're doing it. Um, and you're enjoying it. It's, it's not just like well. you do it once, but this becomes your mode of life. Becomes your life, right? But then you you leave that and say like, Nah, I don't care about this stuff anymore. I'm going to go back into evil. Go back and be a horrible person. And, and it's it's got to be that's really yeah. bad. When yeah, turning back. That's what he says. It means in scripture when Lot's wife turns back and she turns to a pillar of salt. Right. You know, that's what he's talking about. That yeah. You know. And it doesn't because I, I think everyone's like everyone that's ever read into prophecy nation is always worried about it but right. i don't think it's like i don't think it's like i'm trying to be a good person i made a mistake that's no, not no. profanation if you're there are, doing there are yeah. safeguards he, i mean really i think to profane you have to put your heart into it you really got to go for it yeah you wouldn't be 
if you're doing something like that, you wouldn't be worried about it. You'd just be like, nah, this is where I want to be. Yeah. So that is problematic because you're then like, oh, the, goods, the good and the evil is really hard to separate then. That's um, so, major backsliding. Yeah. And that's what's meant by the biblical story of where one evil spirit was in the house, it came out, the yeah. house got swept, and then it brought back seven devils yeah. worse than itself. And the latter state was yeah. worse than the former. That's what he's talking about. But, and I think that that is rare. And I think the stuff that we're going through, you know, most of us, while we're trying to yeah. do spiritual growth, normal and it's neurotic difficult, stuff. Yeah. No, that's and it's and I totally like with with Swedenborg stuff. There are times I get these times when I feel like this. I'm invincible with this stuff. Like I'm just I can just go from one thing to the next. I'm getting all this energy from it. I know how to handle every situation. It's great. And then like I'll just realize like I'm six <laughs> months into just this. I'm much less spiritual than I was then. <laughs> and I think that's just part of it. You know. Yeah, I love that show about spirals because that really spoke to me about the cyclical nature of it. It's not so much backsliding as just going around yeah. and coming around again. And the, yeah, that it's so complex. The process is so complex that we never really know where we are. No, that's right. Okay, hopefully that's encouraging. Good. Yeah. Okay, let's do another question. This is from Nicholas Cole. Says, I think Swedenborg says in the afterlife that the stars in the sky are other communities. So if you follow the above as, the as, above, as so above, below, so then below. it's the same for us. So that's definitely true that he talks about communities of heaven being represented like the stars that the angels would talk with him about. Look, these are like all the communities. And in a way, aren't, you know, if you're, if you're, well, as I take this question, there's this habitable planets around other stars oh, potentially. Oh, interesting. So you could be seeing, you know, the same thing. There are really people Yeah, yeah, there. that's a really interesting point. I hadn't thought about it that way. But that's cool. And he does talk about it because apparently from the point of view of the world of spirits, there's this area in the middle, as some of you may know, or after you die, that yeah. Swedenborg calls the world of spirits. And uh, that's sort of a sorting ground. And then you go to either heaven or hell. And uh, from the point of view of the world of spirits, the heavens look like stars. You know, it's not like they're just next door or something. You know, yeah. they, they, you often can't even see them. It, it, it's yeah. as distant as they are here. Doesn't almost. he say, he says that people are surprised that heaven is not just above them, but below them, like all around them all as around. well. Just right. like there are stars all around. Yes, the right. Earth. That's right. And it's a cool idea to think that there are people uh, out there somewhere yeah. who are living these beautiful lives just yeah. like the golden age or something you know it's a cool thought i hadn't thought about it that way yeah and there are layers of reasons why looking at the stars makes you feel like you do why it's inspiring good one can be this sense of you know you're just getting subliminal oh, realization right. that hey we're looking at you friends out there another can be that this is a physical representation of heaven and a third and the vastness just, of the divine love and and they're pretty yeah, yeah right. that's good all right and humbling that's cool we'll do uh, one more quick one so this is Robert Bush who says, Is it possible that people lived on our planets billions of years ago? We so far we have so far seen nothing. Uh, yeah, you mean like planets in our solar system? I don't know. They just found that carbony sort of stuff on Mars that right. makes them think li life was there one point something billion years ago. But my understanding is they're just talking about microbial life, like tiny little life, but they don't know for sure, of course. Um, mm. And this, uh, yeah, I, we, in another show we put up this article where people say, how would you know if there were, I, I feel like we, how would you know if there were oh, right. ancient aliens on our world? Right. I feel like we would know. I mean, you would have found, because you find fossils that are so well preserved, wouldn't there be 
some kind of something if their architecture would be but then again if they were here for a much shorter period of time i don't know yeah it seems like the the whole universe is set up in such a way that information just radiates out yeah you know it's amazing i was seeing a show the other day where just by taking a film of a paper bag that's sitting there they could reconstruct the conversation that someone was having without any audio feed it's just all the information about the conversation is in little micro motions in the paper bag in response to the conversation. You know, it's just in there. The truth is in there. It's, uh, it's in all over, you know. Yeah. So if there were people, you would think there would be some discoverable information about that. But time, these vast amounts of time, yeah. you know, so much erosion, so much change in the yep. whole nature of the land, you know, who, who knows? I, I don't know. But I, the one thing that Swedenborg really communicates to me very uh, effectively along these lines is that that divine love just wants to have people to love, wants to be loved by people, and just isn't satisfied yeah. with, a, with a few billion here and a few billion there. You know, right. So it would be very surprising if like nothing was going on anywhere. You know? Yeah, and I'm glad that... Um that uh, you tied it into the Swedenborg thing at the end, because I feel like that question placed us happily outside our field of expertise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody, thanks so much. That was great getting to chat a little bit with you, the audience, and that's something that we want to do as much as possible. So in this next segment here, we're going to get to show you a, a, an interview that I did with a, a member of the audience and a very uh, awesome soul. So let's get into it now. All right, everybody, so I'm talking here with Joy. Uh, Joy, I want to start where we usually start, as we see your cute puppies in the background there. Um, <laughs> what, what led you to, to find the Swedenborg thing in our show in the first place? Well, um, the algorithm did me a favor and suggested you, and I saw your face over on the side. Um, I had been looking at some things because of some friends of mine who were very into mediums and things like that. And I think that it brought up some of the near-death experience type things. And I kept seeing your face over there and you just, it, I just kept being drawn to want to know what you were saying. I was afraid that you were going to be channeling somebody, but I was very happy when you weren't. And once I listened to the first one, I just was getting so much food, so much of what I needed. I was resonating with every single word. I couldn't believe it. I was so, <laughs> so excited. And I thought any minute that was going to stop. Y'all were going to say something crazy or there would be something that would, would make me able to resonate with it anymore. But I've watched every show, I believe, over and over and over again. And it just gets better every single time. <laughs> that's amazing with all the stuff that we say that, that none of it finally crossed that line <laughs> so okay so what you said it resonated with you what kind of things what what concepts in Swedenborg's material have have made an impact for you divine providence is huge because I do believe that I believe that we can't see the whole big picture but if we could we would understand that it's he's on our side God's on our side it's all set up as Rumi said it's rigged in our favor and so just to lean into that and not even spend any time resisting what's going on because trusting that what's going on is in our best interest. I really like that. I really like the Swedenborg version of heaven and hell because it's the only one that's ever made any kind of sense to me. And because of the fact that I was taught a heaven and hell, I knew that there had to be some kind of meaning 
there that I was missing. And the, the Swedenborg version is just, it just resonates with everything that I know to be God. Obviously that Zena knows to be God too, because she jumped on the computer. If you saw a wiggle. <laughs> yes, that, that's your dog. And you were just telling me that, that your dogs have been kind of uh, teaching you spiritual lessons. Could you say a little bit about that? <laughs> Every single thing about them. Do you want me to tell the thing about screaming when they get out of the path? Yes. Um, when they were little, like maybe two or three weeks old, they would get off of the porch and over in this little area, I would get them back up there, build things to not let them go where they didn't need to be, but they would still end up over there and then immediately start screaming at me. I mean, scream, wah, 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 like it was the end of the world. And it was, uh, I, I saw it as a correspondence for how I can be for God. He's got me exactly where he needs me to be for everything that I need to learn that is for my best good and for me to be able to be as useful as I can be. Instead of focusing on that, I'm screaming, move me, save me, help me, do something else for me, you know, instead of just going with the thing. And every single thing about them has been like that, has, has given me some kind of a thing that makes me want to do better with my attitude with God, for one thing. <laughs> and also, doesn't that even kind of go with the throwing yourself into hell in a way? Yeah. You know, they, I'm trying as hard as I can to keep them safe and to, to, to do whatever, but they get their own ideas going on and it's, I wouldn't wish them any harm. I love them. They get themselves in trouble. Yeah. Any sense. <laughs> no, no, it makes, it makes total sense. It's an awesome correspondence. Like, you know how they've got Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance and Zen and the art, I'm going to have uh, Christianity and the art of puppies or something. Puppy maintenance. <laughs> Yeah, and so you, you said that you'd watch all the shows, you know, more than once. What, what is it that, that keeps you coming back? Are you get, do you feel like you get more as you understand the concepts more fully? Yes, it, that is an amazing thing. I've just noticed in the last couple of days, I watched some that I hadn't watched in a long time. And I thought, oh my goodness, I can't believe how much more stuff there is in there. Um, because I guess the first time through, I'm just, I, I, I almost always immediately watch it twice. Um, just because I don't want to be worried about missing anything the first time. I'm greedy for you guys. If you don't do a show, I'm, unno I'm annoyed. Like, people laugh at me. Because um, I'm like, oh, there should be a new Swedenborg. There's no new Swedenborg. They didn't tell me there wasn't going to be a new Swedenborg this week. I'm hungry for it. You, you don't even know how much I need it and love it. Yeah, it's because it, as we talked about, it's practical. It gives you tools. It gives you something to hold on to that that um it's lonely if your if your spiritual path doesn't match up with anyone else and when you're hearing truth that does resonate with you it's just a healing thing just in and of itself just that and then everything you say it's like you pull together um everything that i already believed everything that my path has has led up to all of the good parts of it are there said in a way that I could have never said it, just put into a beautiful new frame that is what I already believed. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it, it's awesome. The, the idea that there's a sort of a, um, now there's a framework to put all these pieces that you already had in there. I, I grew up with a, a huge love for the word uh, there are a lot of wonderful things that I got out of my upbringing. And um, 
you know how some cultish type situations, I think they don't really stress the word. Mine did. Mine were very nice people and they wanted you to read the Bible and um, um, memorize it and things like that. And I always, God had already given me, I always just had a big, huge love for the word. So the fact that Swedenborg is so based on the word, that does me good. Um, there's another one besides heaven and hell and divine providence. There's another, um, oh, this is extremely specific. Can I give you like an extremely specific example? Yeah. <laughs> I also yeah, have to tell you, if I say Swedenborg, if I say, well, actually Swedenborg says, well, according to Swedenborg, all of that, everybody's eyes just blaze over and I listen to, they're talking about aliens and stuff. It annoys me how people won't listen to Swedenborg because he is so much more, Shane will listen to Swedenborg. He's so much more um, reasonable. Anyway, it's like they want something weird. They want to look for truth. See how judgy I get? How quick. <laughs> um, anyway, that wasn't even what I was going to tell you. And now I forgot what no, I wanted. You, you were talking about um, when, you, when you mentioned Swedenborg, uh, people's eyes glaze over. So now guess what I do? Oh, and my mother. My mother is a, you can't put this anywhere, but my mother is a Pentecostal preacher. You can put that, I guess. But um so immediately, whenever I said um, anything about him, she just instantly said something about him having pre-Adamic uh, revelation. I don't even know what she was talking about, but she had a big, huge speech of why I needed to stay away from Swedenborg. And I already had had all of these wonderful things. So with my mom, because believe it or not, we can talk about spiritual things. Yeah. I just don't say Swedenborg. I just say I heard somewhere, or when I was listening, I just don't say Swedenborg, and she loves it. She preaches it. Some of the concepts, she then goes and preaches, and this is one of them. Um, Jonathan Rose said it, um, talking about how in the Old Testament, they get, got real into detail about the rules, and it said if your ox killed someone, mm -hmm but you didn't know your ox was bad, then you're not responsible for that at all, but kill the ox and don't eat the meat. Yes. Do you remember y'all yep. That's why Absolutely. I feel funny to give such an obscure example. No, it's, it's great. It was an ex, that whole show was, it was trippy the way it went with my life. I was, <laughs> I was disappointed when I saw the name of it. I, I can't remember what the name of it was, but it I, made, I don't either, but we'll pull it up. We'll find it made me think that you were going to, um, which I think is very patient and kind of wonderful of you guys, the way that you, um, you care a lot about the people who um, struggle, and I do understand why, with why bad things happen. Yep. Uh, and the evil and all that. But I struggled with that long, long time ago and already came up with my own whatever. And I think I was feeling slightly arrogant that like, and then that made me laugh because you wouldn't believe how childish and you, the things, the thoughts that had popped into my head that week for instance, vandalizing somebody's car. I'll just go right down to it. I never thought of vandalizing somebody's car. I thought, I thought I was self-righteous about it. I thought everyone needed to know what a horrible person he was. And that I literally entertained the thought before I thought you are entertaining the thought of, and then I thought, what is wrong with you that you could suddenly do that? Then y'all had that show. And it was a thought that was completely not, not the kind of thoughts that I would ever think. And so I wasn't going to eat that meat. It also, you'll have to tell people all that, what that, what all that meant. I will. We I'm will. I'm not making sure. it very clear. Okay. No, I know. Um, I know exactly what you're talking about. So I didn't want to eat that meat and I didn't want to make anybody eat any meat. 
like that has stuck with me like i don't like if it's evil oh the concept of feeding the evil that's big that's a i don't want to feed the evil like and if it's if it's a thought that god wouldn't be saying to me then i'm going to be aware of that and not listen to it not feed it for goodness sake that's i switched subjects but that's another swedenborgian idea that i love very much but that whole thing about not eating the meat and then it made me like if there are people who are acting really bad and doing really horrible things i i felt really determined not to make them eat that meat not to think to myself that that's who they are to keep remembering that they're god's precious puppies (laughs) oh that's a great tie-in cool joy i i really appreciate getting a chance to meet you and hear how uh, you're you're not just hearing the material, but really like using it in life and, and expanding on it, and and it's awesome just just to get to hear that. So thanks so much for taking a little time to to chat. Thank you so much for all the meat and water. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, talking to Joy, who I heard is watching right now. Hey, How Joy. You doing? There's two things we need to cover here now. One is the episode that we were ref- she was referring to with the altar and the horns and holding on is life isn't fair or is it go check that out if you want to see a little bit more if you felt like that was useful and then in there she was like ah you know people want to find stuff about aliens and swedenborg is more practical so we (laughs) we were planning it but that just just lined up that her interview was on a show about (laughs) aliens so i think this has got to be the one where she's finally going to say i'm done that's it i'm not watching i'm out of here and and we don't blame you at all just kidding (laughs) thanks very much joy all right we're going to now get to everybody's responses to the iceberg Mm. question let's do it If you remember, we had a question at the beginning of the show. And the question at the beginning of the show was something like this. Does the question of the existence of extraterrestrials have any relevance to spirituality? This is what the people said. Oh. It absolutely does, because it can teach us more about the nature of God and his direction, not only for us, but for the whole universe. Well, I get take the snake. Love it. Mm. Carolyn says, it's relevant because we on earth are probably not the only ones entitled to be spiritual. <laughs> That's right. It's, this path is a path that's built for a lot more than just us mm. to walk on. Pace yourself. I think it would help us have more humility to recognize there are sentient beings out there and we aren't the only game in town. Mm. Thomas says, yes, because life fills the universe. If you can fill this earth, how many others? It speaks to the infinite nature of the Lord. I love it. And Alma says, I find it amazing. The universe is the Lord's vineyard, and of course he is going to plant his children throughout it to beautify it, to have responsibilities over it. Mm. It must be to prepare us in some way to be more like him. That's really nice. I like that. John Child says, it seems to me that life is abundant because God is abundant, so there is an abundant human life in the universe. And this is key to an expansive spirituality. Mm. Further kind of pushes us away from we are the center of the universe. It right. impossible. I like that. Matthew says, absolutely. If there is another planet able to sustain life, which I think there is, then wouldn't they all have the same God? Definitely. Definitely. Bonnie says, knowing there are other people or spirits on other planets has made me so humble. It looks like there are other people behaving much better than us. <laughs> Anything that leads to humility, we'll take. Yeah, you know, that's, that's right. There's something that's good, good there. Nick Nick says, yes, it does, because everything is connected and also connected 
to the Lord. Nice. And that's a great thought to end on. And hopefully you guys felt some kind of connection with the material here, strange as it was. Uh, I certainly felt it uh, hanging out with all of you, hanging out with you, Dr. Jonathan Rose. Uh, If you guys want to help connect this video to the rest of YouTube, please like and subscribe. That's what's going to get it out there. And if you're subscribed, subscribe like you mean it. What I'm saying is there's a little bell next to the subscribe. If you don't click that bell, YouTube will never really tell you that we have a new video out. And why wouldn't you want to know that there's stuff like this coming out? I mean, this, this stuff is top shelf. If you want to help this stuff continue and even improve improve yes. consider joining us on patreon it's where you just give a small amount per month to help support us we're a nonprofit. this is how we can do things and in return we'll, just to say thanks we'll be giving you some behind the scenes conversations and interactions and uh throwback videos and all kinds of stuff it's just our little way to say thanks for and we do want to thank everyone on there for helping make mm-hmm. this possible looking forward uh this coming week we have a show next monday about perception what is perception? Right. Uh, well, it's uh, intuition. Intuition. That's and right. that's where we'll leave it right now. Mm. And what role could that play in life? And what are we trying to get through it and all that? Answers next week. I'll see you there, right? Yes. You be there? Okay. Hopefully all of you will Wouldn't be miss too. It. Hope you have a great seven days in between. Sweet is Amy Aquarola, Morgan Beard, Curtis Childs, Karen Childs, Matthew Childs, Alexa Cole, John Connolly, Cara Dom, Chris Dunn, Stuart Farmer, Ben Keyes, Reed McArdle, Chelsea Odner, Jonathan Rose, Shiloh Silverman, and Shada Sullivan.